And Hickman Bridge is this 133-foot natural bridge. To me, it looks like an arch. I'm not sure. Do you know what the difference is, Mr. Geology Channel, between a bridge and an arch? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So let me see if I can explain this, Karen, in layman's terms. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Matt. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories from our journey to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. One of the best ways to experience a national park is on a hiking trail, where you can leave the visitor centers and parking lots behind and spend some time in nature. Today, we're talking about our favorite shorter trails throughout the parks. You don't have to hike all day to experience the beauty and natural wonder that our parks are famous for. Coming up, we'll share some easy bucket list hikes that you won't want to miss as you explore our country's national parks. And we'll talk about what makes each one unique. These are great hikes for anyone who is new to hiking, traveling with young children, people with mobility issues, and anyone who has limited time to do a hike. Thanks for joining us today as we take a hike through the national parks. (laughs) All right, Karen, we are back. We are back. Feels good to be back. I feel feel rested. Do I do I look rested? (laughs) And there's only one answer to that. Keep it moving here. (laughs) We did a lot of fun things in July, and I'm glad that we got a few uh, bonus episodes out in July to make sure people didn't forget about us. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, but now we're back with a brand new episode. Yes, and we have had a lot of people ask us to do an episode like this, one where we talk about some of the easier hikes in the national parks. Right, and it makes total sense. Uh, As we mentioned in the intro, there are a lot of reasons why visitors might want shorter hikes, and sometimes we do too. And the good news is there are a lot of them. I was looking through this list, and there are some great hikes on this. There are, and I even had to cut a lot of them out. Once the outline got to five pages, that seems to be the limit as far as you're concerned. So I actually had to call the list. But what we've done is we have chosen hikes that are mostly three miles or less, and hikes that showcase what the park is famous for. Yeah, and we don't have time to cover every national park or every easy trail, so I'm sure there are trails we will miss on the list, but instead of making this a five-hour episode, (laughs) we're just going to give you some of our highlights. And of course, what you can do also in some of the parks that we're not going to have time to mention today You can always ask a ranger at the visitor center about trails that would be perfect for you and your family or the people that you're with. You know, if you have never talked to a ranger at a visitor center before, usually when you go in, there is one or two or sometimes three, depending on the size of the park, standing behind a desk with a big map in front of them. Right. They usually look us up and down and then suggest the shorter nature (laughs) hikes. (laughs) But yeah, no, they're they're always really helpful, obviously. The rangers, they work there, they a lot of them live there. They know the park intimately and can make suggestions as to which hikes to do. Right. We have gotten great tips also. We always like to ask them where their favorite spot is to watch the sunset or the sunrise and you know, tips like that. So, depending on what you are looking for, I am sure they're going to have an answer for you. Yeah, a lot of times we'll ask that question. Where's the best place to see a sunset? And and you know it's a good recommendation when, when they start answering before you've even finished the question. <laughs> you know, and, and Karen, one of the advantages of doing these hikes on shorter trails is that if you are going back into the park in the evenings or you're there in the evenings and you want to do a sunset, these are shorter hikes that you know that you're going to get in before it gets dark and kind of you lose your way. Well, yes. And when you hike these in the evenings, there are 
a lot of benefits like the crowds are less, um, the lighting is usually beautiful. And if you're in a park that's, you know, really hot, like in the summer, you know, usually the temperatures are cooler. So when I was putting this list together, I was remembering all of the ones that we have done in the evenings. And it really does make a difference when you can get away from the crowds that that tend to be on some of these trails. All right, so a year ago, we did an episode about our top 10 favorite hikes in the national parks. That was episode 89. But those hikes, for the most part, they were longer and they were strenuous. And it takes up a big chunk of your day, if not all day. And we know that that some people are trying to see multiple parks in the same trip, sometimes even in the same day. And they might only have a half a day or maybe a day or two in a particular park. So that's another reason why we're talking about some of these shorter hikes. Well, absolutely. And, you know, when people ask us, you know, how much time should I spend in a given national park or on a on a trip to, let's say, the Utah parks, our answer is always, it depends on if you're going to hike and where you're going to hike, because we've done hikes in the national parks that literally took all day. So if you're going to do that, obviously, you're going to need more time in the parks. These shorter hikes are a great way for people to get out on a trail uh, and see some of the highlights of the park and also, you know, a good chance to see wildlife on a lot of these. And we'll talk about that. That's right. Okay, Matt. So I tried to figure out how to organize these and I figured that we would talk about them by state. Okay, let's do that. What state would you like to start in? How do you feel about Utah? I love Utah. (laughs) All right. And let's go to one of everyone's favorite parks, which is Zion National Park. Yeah, and we're going to start with a trail called the Canyon Overlook. I love this trail. Now, I'm not going to say that every time because I look through the list and and I like them all. Of course. Um, uh, But this was kind of a unique trail. First of all, we'll just say up front, the parking's a little challenging. It's definitely challenging. So this is a really good one to do in the early morning or in the evening. It's located just as you come up outside of the Zion Mount Carmel Tunnel, so on the east side. And I don't even think if you're coming up from Zion Canyon through the tunnel, you know, it's immediately when you come out of the tunnel on your left. I don't even think you can turn left there. I think they prohibit that. So if you're coming from that direction, you would have to go down, turn around, try to find parking on the street. It is a challenge, but it's worth it. And it's not a very long trail. So If you have to park, let's say, a quarter mile away, that's really not a big deal. Right. The trail is only one mile round trip once you start on the trail, and it's about 170 feet of elevation change. We're going to talk about elevation change because sometimes it's a gain. You go up, sometimes you go down. So one note of caution, there are a few exposed spots along this one mile round trip trail where a fall would be dangerous. I didn't think it was scary. I don't like to walk on cliff edges. However, if you have young children with you, just know this. And, you know, I was thinking about, we're going to talk about some other hikes that also have kind of exposed areas. And if you're going with your young children, everyone knows their child and what that experience is going to be like. So I'm just saying this because when we used to hike with our son and he was, let's say, eight to 12, he was a runner. Yeah, he would. We, we could not control him. And so then we knew which trails to go on and which not to go on. Right. The, the rim of the Grand Canyon made me extremely nervous because he was the kind of kid who would pretend he was playing basketball all the time and have like a fake dribble ball and a run and a shoot and a jump like he was Michael Jordan. So you all know your own kids. Hopefully, <laughs> when you're on these kinds of trails, your kids are standing next to you and walking slowly and, and gently, and yeah. you'll be totally fine. Yeah. And I'll have to say, all that uh, imaginary practice didn't help him at all <laughs> in his basketball <laughs> career. So just a note to all you 8 to 12-year-olds out there, you know, pay attention to the uh, rim of the canyon. <laughs> Probably won't hurt your scholarship opportunities down the road. (laughs) Probably not. But the amazing thing about this hike is when you get to the end, it's called Canyon Overlook because you are looking down into Zion Canyon, one of the most stunning views you will see in any national park. We did this trail for the first time one January, and there was a light dusting of snow in the canyon. It was really spectacular. 
But let's keep it moving, Karen. Okay. Moving on to arches. One of the most popular areas in the park is the windows area. And there you're going to find the windows arches. There's a north and a south and that beautiful turret arch. But we're going to talk about something I think a lot of people don't know about. And there is a primitive loop that you can do around the north and south windows. Right. When you get to the parking area for this trail, you are going to be looking at the windows and then the turret arches kind of off to your right. And so that looks like the destination. But this primitive loop goes, you know, if you're looking at the arches, it goes off to the left. Of course, it's a loop, so you can go either way, but we did it clockwise. And it goes back behind the arches, and there's fewer people back there, and the views are great. We did it in the evening. As we parked in the parking lot, it was jammed with people. And as we got onto this primitive loop trail and went behind the north and south window arches, there was nobody there. Now, the total trail is about 1.2 miles, 115 feet of elevation change. And I just have to say, you know, everyone goes to arches to see the arches. But when you are back there on this primitive trail and you're looking at like spires and and the views. You know, Arches is one of the most beautiful parks, even if there weren't any arches. Yeah. And this particular trail, you do feel like for a while you're by yourself. I mean, this is a popular area of the park. The parking lot's pretty big. There's, there's always people there, which yes. is great. But that primitive trail lets you lets you be by yourself for a little while. Right. But don't miss that one. It's a great one. Now, uh, moving on to Bryce Canyon, you know, one of the most famous trails I think that most people do, and you absolutely want to do it, is the Queen's Garden Navajo Loop. I love this trail. It has uh, really interesting colors, depending on the time of day. It has a little kind of like slot canyon part of it. You're down into the hoodoos, so you're seeing them at, at different angles. We will say, though, that this particular trail, it's a, I'd say, moderately strenuous. It's a 2.9-mile loop and has elevation change of 625 feet. You're hiking down from the rim into the amphitheater, and every time we do it, I always feel like it's kind of a slog coming back up. If you don't want the elevation change, you can stay up on the rim and hike from sunrise point to sunset point. You can go in either direction, and that's just one mile round trip. Yes, and it's paved, so it's much easier if you don't want to go down um, and back up the 625 feet. But to access the Queen's Garden Navajo Loop, you can either start it at Sunrise Point or start it at Sunset Point and then you know do your loop from there. We typically hike it, what, counterclockwise for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, I think yeah. it's, it's fabulous either way. But either one of those is great, and you will see – you will see these amazing hoodoos that the park is famous for. And it's great to see them from up above the rim at these sun, sunrise or sunset points, and you're kind of looking down on them. But again, you have a very different perspective once you're down in them looking up. So yeah, we would suggest trying the Queen's Garden Navajo Loop. And if you are visiting Capitol Reef National Park, one of our favorite hikes and one of everyone's <laughs> favorite hike is Hickman Bridge. And Hickman Bridge, from the parking lot, you don't see it, and you don't really see where you're going. You kind of walk around a cliff and then back into this area. That's a pretty area tucked away back there. It is definitely tucked away and very pretty. Now, the hike to the bridge and back is two miles round trip, about 400 feet of elevation change. I believe most of that is at the beginning, if I'm remembering that right. And Hickman Bridge is this 133-foot natural bridge. To me, it looks like an arch. I'm not sure. Do you know what the difference is, Mr. Geology Channel, between a bridge and an arch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let me see if I can explain this, Karen, in layman's terms. Oh, okay. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. I'll try to make it so you can understand. In most cases, a natural natural arch is formed by wind and rain, so by weathering, this process of weathering and erosion, but not water flowing. Over time, these persistent winds and freeze-thaw action, it slowly erodes this opening in the vertical sandstone, and then eventually that opening becomes an arch. 
So that's what arches are. Okay. So natural bridges, on the other hand, those are formed by flowing water. So typically natural bridges are stone archways that span an erosion valley, Karen, such as a stream bed. <laughs> I don't know. You lost me at erosion valley. Oh, okay. <laughs> could you just, could you dumb that down a little bit? I, I can't. Would you make sure when you do the edit, would you put the geology channel music <laughs> Right before that? No, <laughs> that's my history channel music. I will not do that. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you for that explanation. Now, back to Hickman Bridge. Here is a tip. The first time we ever did this hike, 12 years ago-ish, we approached it, faced the bridge, and took photos. Well, the better view is from behind, and there are trails that take you behind the bridge, which we did, what, maybe a year ago when we revisited it. And it has a completely different look. It's it's prettier back there. We happened to be there early in the morning as the sun was peeking up over the cliff. So it was stunning. We happened to hike early because when we showed up at Gifford House to buy pies for breakfast, we found out that they didn't open until 9 a.m. But going early is a bonus because there are fewer people. It's also cooler sometimes. The colors are great because the sun's at a lower angle, so you're getting better lighting. Uh, Hickman Bridge is a must-see if you're traveling through Capitol Reef. Definitely. All right, how about we move on to our home state of Washington? State of Washington. Yeah, we're going to talk about a trail that we did for the first time recently in Mount Rainier National Park, the Nachis Peak Loop. Not Nachos. <laughs> we, well, we wanted to call it Nachos. <laughs> it's not Nachos. It's not No Cheese. It's called Nachis Peak Loop. Yes. Now, this one is about a 3.2-mile loop. It has about 600 feet of elevation change, and it starts at the beautiful Tipsu Lake, or if the parking is full there, it has a fairly small parking lot. You can continue on around and park at Chinook Pass. There's uh, several parking areas there, and you can pick up the trail from there. Right. And being a loop, it doesn't matter where you start. Right. For the direction we did it clockwise, I think that gives you some really good views of Mount Rainier. Well, I know it does because we, we had them. I think if you do it counterclockwise, you're not going to get some of those face-on views of Mount Rainier. Right. So I would suggest doing it counterclockwise. Yes, I agree. But you know, this trail has everything. So not only incredible views of Mount Rainier, it has beautiful old growth forests that the trail runs through, and it has some gorgeous turquoise lakes that you're going to pass by. So it has a lot in just three miles. One thing that's kind of cool also is a tiny section of the Pacific Crest Trail runs along part of this loop. Right. Yeah. And, and again, for three miles, you get a wilderness feel. You do. And you're never really that far from the parking area at any given time. So I like trails like that where they're not terribly long, but for a good part of it, you feel like you're in the wilderness. Yes, this one has it all for sure. Now we're going to mention one more in Mount Rainier because this is another great one. You know, a lot of people go up to the Paradise area and they hike the the Skyline Loop Trail, which we talked about in our episode number 89, but that's a fairly long, somewhat strenuous hike. So if you're looking for something easier up there, check out the Nisqually Vista Overlook. Right. This gives you incredible close-up views of Mount Rainier on a clear day with only a 1.2-mile loop, and, and it's pretty much paved the whole way. And so that's no, that's a great way to get these incredible views without going on a more strenuous hike. Yeah, the first time we did this um, trail was in the winter. A ranger had suggested that we snowshoe this, and we did, and it was great. And then, of course, in the summer, it's even better because you have wildflowers and, and, you know, meadows, everything's green, and it's just beautiful. Okay, Karen, let's move to Olympic National Park and a couple of great hikes there. One is the Hall of Mosses, and this is in the Ho Rainforest on the western side of the main park area. Right. Now, this is easy. It's a one-mile loop, only about 80 feet of elevation change. But if you want if you want the quintessential rainforest with the moss 
Uh, this is it. This is it right here, Hall of Mosses. That's right. Drippy, mossy. <laughs> magical. Uh, magical. There there aren't <laughs> any monkeys. I, I keep thinking there's going to be monkeys in there because it's rainforest, but there's, there's no monkeys in Olympic National Park. No, it's a different kind of rainforest. Also, we haven't seen any gnomes, but it does seem like a place where gnomes would live. It has that enchanted forest kind of vibe to it. Now, the thing with Olympic is there are a lot of easy hikes, so it was tough to narrow down the list. We're going to mention one more, which is um, Solduck Falls, one of the most spectacular waterfalls we have ever seen. Yeah, and it's uh, not that strenuous. It's only about 1.6 mile round trip and 200 feet of elevation change. It is popular. Um, so you'll probably be with other visitors, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty spectacular. It's It's kind of a a wild part of the river. Yes, and depending on how full the waterfall is, it has multiple channels coming down, and the park did an excellent job with building bridges and boardwalks and things. It's really a beautiful section of the park. And, you know, one of the things about these trails and really most of the trails in Olympic is that if you do get rain on your visit, which is likely, unless you're there in July or August, if you get a misty, rainy day, it actually kind of adds to the experience. You know, that this is also part of the rainforest. So you're going to mm-hmm. get that Olympic National Park rainforest look and feel on, on both of these hikes. Yes, and you don't, you don't want to miss either one of these. All right, and moving just a little bit south to the great state of Oregon, the only national park there, we're going to talk about Crater Lake National Park and the Watchman Peak Trail. And again, like a lot of these trails, it's not that strenuous. It's only about 1.8 miles round trip and 360 feet of elevation change. The trail that goes up to Watchman Peak was built back in 1916, and a year later they built the Observation Station, which is also a fire tower that served both educational and fire watching purposes. So you can hike up there, see some incredible views of Crater Lake, and visit a cool historic fire tower. Right, the views of Crater Lake from pretty much anywhere on the rim drive are, are pretty spectacular. But this Watchman Peak Trail just gives you an even better perspective because there's just fewer things in your way. And you're, you're getting kind of this full view of the lake. Exactly. And it's um, it's over fairly close to Wizard Island. So you're getting a very good view of Wizard Island. You know, we mentioned a lot of great hikes in our Crater Lake episode, but this one um, has a lot of bang for the buck. That's right. Okay, let's keep moving south to the state of California. Okay, one of our absolute favorite parks is Sequoia National Park. And we're going to talk about the Congress Trail which is um, about a 2.7-mile round-trip lollipop loop, Matt. It's a lollipop (laughs) loop. That means the trail starts as one single trail out, and then it turns into a loop and comes back on itself, and then you take the, the single trail back to where you started. That's right. Now, it begins near the General Sherman tree, which is the largest living tree on Earth. Everyone should see this in their lifetime. And so as you you know make your way down, you're hi- actually hiking down to see the tree, the trail goes down, there will be a ton of people because everyone wants to see this tree. But then as you continue on the Congress Trail, the crowds thin out a bit. Yeah, and they had, I guess maybe it was popular at the time, they have a government-themed naming convention for their trees. They have a little <laughs> grove called the House and then another called the Senate, and there's even a president tree. Uh, of course, there's the General Sherman tree, which, like you said, is the biggest tree anywhere. And they're all incredible. I, I know that the attraction is to see General Sherman, but I'm mean, like all of these trees are spectacular to see. Oh, they really are. And so many are concentrated in this 2.7 lollipop loop that it's definitely worth the stroll. And we've talked about there's an even bigger loop you can do there, the giant forest loop. That's closer to seven miles, so that might not be something you want to add on. But if you do, that's um, also right in that same area. 
Okay, so in the sister park or brother park, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> Kings Canyon, uh, you have the General Grant Trail, another general tree. This one is almost as big as the General Sherman tree, but not quite. Now, this one, we did this in the evening in May. There was absolutely nobody there. Remember, we parked our car and the entire parking lot was yeah, empty. there was nobody. I, yes. wh- why was there nobody there? I don't know. Yeah. But um, to see the General Grant tree, you do have to walk a little ways. It's a 0.8 mile paved loop trail. And there are some other cool things to see along the along this loop. There's the Fallen Monarch and, and then some other big trees as well. So this is a, a great loop to do. Also, don't miss the Cedar Grove area. And over there you have the Zumwalt Meadow Trail. It's about 1.5 mile trail and pretty easy. It is. It's easy. It's beautiful. Now, the Cedar Grove area, unfortunately, has been closed this summer, so no one is going back there. I can't even imagine what it must look like now with all the animals are probably coming out to play. You know, the road was closed due to the incredible snow they had over the winter and the damage that was done to the road, but hopefully it will be open next summer. And this Zumwalt Meadows, when we did it, we were camping there. And so I remember we did this hike really early in the morning as the sun was coming up and there was like steam rising up from the meadow. And it was like this really magical place with the mountains, you know, surrounding it. And animals were playing. <laughs> well, I we would've... caught them playing. They play in the morning. <laughs> Just so you know, it's another reason to do these trails early in the day. That's right. So put Zumwalt Meadow um, on your list too for hopefully for next year or whenever you might visit the park. Okay, so uh, north of Kings Canyon, you have Yosemite National Park, and the trail we're going to talk about is the Glacier Point. And this is very short trail. It's only about 0.6 miles, 137 feet, and it's a paved walkway that takes you to the edge of Glacier Point. And fortunately, Glacier Point Road has just reopened. And, you know, it was closed all last summer due to construction. And it I saw it just opened like a week ago. So now you can go visit Glacier Point. Um, again, this is an easy walk to an incredible viewpoint. You are looking at this, uh, you know, this panorama, which includes Half Dome and Clouds Rest. You can see the waterfalls of the Mist Trail and dozens of peaks in the Eastern Sierra Range. And you can see a huge chunk down into Yosemite Valley. Um, And they say, now we haven't been there at sunset, but they say it's probably the best place in all of Yosemite to watch the sunset. Yeah, and when we say you're looking down on Yosemite Valley, you are right above it. And you look straight down and there is the Awani Hotel. (laughs) Right. And I was thinking I could spit on the Awani Hotel, (laughs) literally. I didn't try to do that. Well, no, you don't want to do that because no, the velocity of yeah. your spit could yeah, probably... Yeah, it would kill somebody. If I <laughs> spit, it would kill somebody if it hit them. Now, just one note. When we say Glacier Point, we are talking about driving up there, parking in the parking lot, and walking the paved walkway to the viewpoint. There is a hike where you can hike from the valley up to Glacier Point. That's a different deal. <laughs> I think that's four miles each way. Very strenuous. So if you're Googling this, we are talking about the one where you drive up there. That'd be fun too. Oh, I but, think it'd but be it's, fun. It's not, it's not one of the best easy bucket list national park hikes. It's definitely not. So another one you'll want to do when you are up there looking at Glacier Point is Taft Point and the Fishers. Now, this is about 2.2 miles round trip, only 200 feet of elevation change. But you do want to be careful up there. Yeah. When they say Fishers, they mean like these are cracks in the mountain and you can fall in them. There's like no guardrails around them. These are narrow fractures. They're like joints in the granite. And... The drop, it could be a 2,000-foot drop. 
it's a straight drop off. Yes, you absolutely want to watch where you step. And you you probably don't want to take your child if they are shooting imaginary basketballs right. Right. The, and the, running. The eight to 12 year olds <laughs> who still feel like that they can play in the NBA someday. This is not a place to practice your imaginary dribbling. It is definitely not. But the payoff for this hike is incredible views of Yosemite Valley. Again, you're looking down, you can see El Capitan and Yosemite Falls. Now, at specifically at Taft Point, there is a small guardrail. So that made me feel better. So you can stand behind the guardrail and, and have some good looks. But the rest of it, the rest of it is open. And you'll see a lot of people standing backwards, taking selfies and things like that. So just a note for people who are uncomfortable with that. Uh, yeah, but still recommend seeing this area. This episode is sponsored in part by Rumpel. Rumpel is introducing the world to better blankets with their full line of durable, premium, ultra-warm outdoor blankets and gear. We never leave home without them. The original puffy blanket is made using recycled polyester and insulation that packs down small in its own bag for easy storage and grab-and-go adventures. I like them because Rumpel pairs durable 20D ripstop nylon with a DWR finish that's water, stain, and odor resistant. But when you do spill coffee on yours, I can throw it in the washing machine when we get home, and it's good as new. Rumpel blankets are the best way to stay cozy and warm on any adventure. Whether you're traveling across the country or picnicking at your local park, Rumpel has you covered, literally. Shop their line of over 140 prints and designs, including their National Park Collection, at rumple.com forward slash Bob and Sue, and use the code Bob and Sue for 10% off your first order. That's R-U-M-P-L dot com slash Bob and Sue. All right, Karen, uh, staying in the state of California, let's go to the coast, the northern coast of California to Redwood State and National Parks. Yes. And thank you for saying state and national parks. You know, it's all managed as one group. And what we're going to talk about is the hike is the Grove of Titans. And it is in Jedediah Smith State Park, which is one of our favorite, favorite sections of this park. That's right. It's named after us. It's Smith State Park. Uh, Was your ancestor named Jedediah? I think so. Yeah, yeah. One interesting thing about this particular park, it contains 7% of the remaining old growth forest in the world. Yes, in this little section of the state park. It also has the beautiful Howland Hill Road. Now, this Grove of Titans trail is fairly new, so a lot of you who visited the park in the past might not have had the chance to do it. It was completed in the summer of 2022, and it's about 1.7 miles round trip. And they did a good job of creating this trail and then the infrastructure when you get back into the groves for a long time there were just social trails. People found this grove and just made their way back there. And so the park put in a maintained trail and some infrastructure. There's some metal grates when you get to the groves so you're not trampling on the, the, the undergrowth. Um, so, yeah, that's it's a beautiful, beautiful trail. And when we were there um, last year, there were still trail crews out working on this. So a big thanks to all the many, many, many hours of hard work that went into making this trail for all of us. Also in that area, there is Fern Canyon. Now, Fern Canyon requires a permit, and you park at the Gold Bluffs Beach, and that's what you need the permit for, is to be able to park there. And the permits are required from May 15th. To September 15th. Right. Now, this one we haven't actually done because we got nixed out last year. We were there at the end of May. I had gotten online, I think, a, a week earlier. It wasn't uh, difficult to get a permit in May. Got the permit. And then, of course, the morning that we woke up to go and do it, there was a monsoon. Right. <laughs> and the thing about this one is the park service on the website warns you that this road to Gold Bluffs Beach area where you park is rough. It has a few stream crossings that you have to drive over. And they say in inclement weather, do not try it. So we opted to skip this one and try it another time. We just wanted to mention it because the photos we, we've seen are beautiful. People have recommended it to us. And it's just over a mile. But just note also you are walking through water on this one. 
Yeah, so be prepared for that. Wear the appropriate shoes. If you don't want to be walking around in wet hiking boots for the rest of your trip, you might want to bring other footwear. Right. And so, Matt, this one has gone back into the bucket. I I started to take it out prematurely, and then it had to go back in. Back in the bucket. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Karen, let's go to Joshua Tree National Park in Southern California. Yeah, I love the name of this one, the Hall of Horrors. Now, here's the thing with Joshua Tree. There are a lot of a lot of easy hikes in Joshua Tree. It's a great place for kids because for anyone who's been there, you know that there are these huge boulders that kids can climb on. It's like a big playground. And this Hall of Horrors is a 0.8 mile loop. It's only about 100 feet of elevation change. And it's got both the huge boulders and the Joshua Trees. So really, when you look at the photos or when you are on the trail, it looks in my mind, what I think Joshua Tree looks like. (laughs) Yeah, and the great thing about this trail is that it's essentially a playground through some slot canyons. And a lot of times, the cool slot canyons we go to are kind of hard to get to. And so this is an easy way to experience some slot canyons. Yeah, now you do have to scramble up onto some boulders to access these slot canyons. And there are two of them that are side by side. They're located on kind of the second mound of boulders as you're making your way through. But lots of fun, really, for kids of all ages. And you'll get to see Joshua trees, and you'll get to have some fun playing and hiking through this this wonderland of rocks. Okay, we're going to change states now. We're going to go from California to Wyoming. And we're going to start in Yellowstone and talk about the Upper Geyser Basin which is right by Old Faithful. I love this hike. I don't know, maybe you wouldn't exactly call it a hike. It is a five-mile loop, has about 350 feet of elevation change. A lot of it is on a boardwalk, and some of it's paved, and then some of it is also a dirt trail. But the thing about this is, in this five-mile loop, it has the world's largest concentration of geysers, It has more than 150 thermal features. Yeah, it's a really great place to see different geysers. I know Old Faithful's the marquee attraction for this area, but we have seen some of these smaller geysers and even been kind of close to them when they go off. It's kind of fun. It's very fun. And the thing is, everyone goes to Old Faithful. And if you've been there, there's huge parking lot. You have the Old Faithful Inn and you have the Old Faithful Snow Lodge and Visitor Center. So there's a lot going on right there. But if you walk a half a mile away from Old Faithful on this boardwalk, you will find, I'm not going to say you're going to find solitude, but the crowds definitely thin out. Definitely thinner crowds. There Sometimes there are bison back there, so that's an added treat. Um, stay away from the bison. Do not try to pet them. Do not try to take selfies right up against a bison. That would be bad. You know, I saw a video on social media where... A bison walked up onto a section of this boardwalk in the Upper Geyser Basin and was just standing there, and a group of tourists literally walked right past him. Now, this boardwalk is only, what, Matt, three to four feet wide? Yeah, it's not very wide. No, and they literally walked past him, and as they're walking, they're snapping photos of him. My heart was, like, in my throat when I saw that. They have obviously had no idea how dangerous that was. Yeah. All joking aside, it, that's very dangerous because they can kill you and they injure visitors every year who get too close. The other thing on these this boardwalk area, stay on the boardwalk. Not only are you not supposed to walk on the area that's not the boardwalk, that can be super dangerous too, especially for children. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of, some of these thermal features... That water's boiling, and and um, you know people people have lost their lives going off the boardwalk. Right. Also, one more public service announcement. I'm sure none of you would intentionally throw things into the thermal features, but we saw a ranger on the trail who was scooping things out, and he said people, their hats blow in, their sunglasses fall out, they drop their cell phones, and so hang tight to your possessions because it's really bad for these thermal features when objects are thrown or dropped into them. 
That's right. Uh, One more thing I wanted to say. I know we were going to keep these trails at three miles. And as we said, this one is five. But of course, you could go out a mile and back. You could do whatever uh, length was comfortable for you. And you'll still see a ton of thermal features, no matter how far out you go. You can make this as uh, short as you would like. You can make it a short loop. Absolutely. Okay. All right, staying in Wyoming, we're going to go to Grand Teton National Park and talk about the Hidden Falls slash Inspiration Point Trail at Jenny Lake. Yes. Now, there's two ways to do this trail to get to Hidden Falls and Inspiration Point. Uh, You can walk there. You can walk around the southern part of Jenny Lake. Or, and this is what we're going to suggest, you can take the shuttle boat to cross the lake and that shortens the hike. Now, if you are planning to use the shuttle, make sure you check their hours beforehand and you buy the tickets directly at the boat dock. The nice thing about this is they have shuttle boats that run like every 15 minutes. And I believe in the busy season, it's like from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So I think they're moving people across pretty quickly. Right, and it's a beautiful lake. So I we've never done the uh, boat tour across the lake, but I would imagine the views are spectacular from the water. Oh, yes. I think that would be a really fun thing to do. So if you take the shuttle, then the hike to Inspiration Point is an easy 1.8-mile round-trip hike. It does have around 500 feet of elevation gain as you're climbing up to this viewpoint that is Inspiration Point. But I'm telling you, it's spectacular, and you are looking out at Jenny Lake and at the mountains, and it's just a, a gorgeous viewpoint. And if you don't take the boat... And you start from the visitor center there. It's a 5.7-mile round-trip hike with about 870 feet elevation gain. And that that's if you start at the visitor center. Yes. Uh, we sometimes start at String Lake, which is just a little bit north because sometimes the parking at the visitor center is full. And so over at String Lake, you could park there. It's also popular, but usually we can find a parking spot there. And so that that would be a different way to hike to the backside of Jenny Lake to get to the trail that takes you to Inspiration Point. Right. So there are a lot of ways to do it. And one more option is you could take the shuttle boat across, go look at Hidden Falls, which is a little spur on the way to Inspiration Point. Then instead of taking the boat back, you could hike back. And so then you are cutting the hike in half, but you're still getting some trail. So lots of ways to do it. But Matt... Guess what? Are you going to shoehorn a bit of history (laughs) into our episode here? I thought this episode of all episodes, we would be safe from any history channel. I didn't think I was going to be able to work it in. And then lo and behold, this random fact popped up when I was, you know, looking at some of the distances for Inspiration Point. And you know what I found out? Well, are we going to do the music here? (laughs) The History Channel. No, music? unfortunately, this is very short. Okay, she's I don't just going to speak it. <laughs> I'm just going to speak it. There is a short section of the trail where you're going up a steep ledge to get up to Inspiration Point, and the granite carved section of this trail was built by the CCC, the Civilian Conservation Corps, back in the 1930s. So I thought that was really cool. I actually didn't know that when we have hiked this before. But now we know it. Yes. And now our listeners know it as well. That's right. So when you are walking on that, you can just think about those CCC workers 90 years ago who were doing some back-breaking work so that we could all hike up to Inspiration Point. That's right. Okay, Karen, that does it for the state of Wyoming. Let's go to Montana. Okay, Montana. Uh, Montana's beautiful National Park Glacier. We're going to mention the Hidden Lake Overlook. Now, this starts at Logan Pass, so the parking lot there. It's right behind the Visitor Center, the trail is. It's about 2.7 miles round trip with a 500 feet elevation change. It can be tough to get a parking spot at Logan Pass. Just going to say that. Yes, that's one of the struggles. Um, There are shuttle buses you can take if you want to guarantee yourself um, a chance to do this hike. We would recommend that. This particular hike, so what we're talking about is going to the overlook of Hidden Lake, and it's 
absolutely one of the most stunning views in a national park. You can continue hiking on down to Hidden Lake. There is a trail. We did that. But just know (laughs) that to get down to the lake, the trail drops 770 feet from the overlook to the lake shore in about 1.3 miles. So yeah, that that adds some distance and some elevation change. Uh, One of the cool things about this trail is there's a good chance to see mountain goats and, and, and possibly grizzly bears. Yes, both have been seen there frequently. Now, we have only seen the mountain goats, um, but that was very cool to see. I think they are almost always hanging around there. Grizzlies, we've seen photos of them along this trail. I was going to say, unfortunately, we haven't encountered one. Maybe that's fortunately, I guess, depending on how you look at it. (laughs) Right. Like you said, Karen, we did the hiker shuttle. Mm-hmm. And I'm generally not a big fan of shuttles, but that was pretty convenient. Right. We didn't have to worry about, are we going to find a parking spot? We didn't have to be turned away by the rangers who stand at the entrance to the parking area. They don't want people to come in and circle. Anyway, go early, go late, take the shuttle, but just know that parking is challenging. All right. So that was Glacier National Park. Let's go to Colorado and talk about Rocky Mountain National Park. And we're going to talk about the Dream and Emerald Lakes Trail, and you access this at the Bear Lake Trailhead. That's right. And we have talked about this before, and we talked about this in last week's episode. You do need a day-use reservation to get into the park during the busy season, and you need a specific one to access the Bear Lake Corridor. So just know that. But this, I think these two lakes, the trail to these two lakes, this is a lot of bang for your effort. So if you go up to Dream Lake, that's going to be a 2.2 mile round trip with about 450 feet of elevation change. And if you want to continue on to Emerald Lake, that's another 0.7 miles further. So if you did both those lakes, then the total round trip would be about 3.6 miles round trip and 600 feet of elevation change two beautiful alpine mountain lakes with the backdrop of the Rockies. Absolutely gorgeous. Now, there is an even easier trail right where you park at the Bear Lake Corridor. It is Bear Lake. There is an easy trail that goes around Bear Lake, so that's an option as well. And just to mention, we've mentioned this in other episodes, but we were there in May going up to Dream Lake and trying to get to Emerald Lake, and there was still a lot of ice and snow. On the trail in May. This is very high elevation, so the snow is going to linger for a while. Okay, let's go to Maine and to Acadia National Park. Yeah, we're going to talk about two different trails here that will give you two different feels of the park, so to speak. The first one is the Jordan Pond Path. This is a 3.3-mile loop that goes around the shore of Jordan Pond, which is one of Acadia's most iconic landscapes. You've got forested areas, you've got wooden boardwalks, and you've got the charming footbridges. So this trail has that Maine woods feel to it. Yeah, and it has the added advantage that you could just pop into the Jordan Pond House (laughs) restaurant and order popovers. Oh, I see what you just did there, Matt. That (laughs) was very clever. (laughs) I was trying to be subtle. Now, for an entirely different vista, if you want one of the rugged ocean pounding on the cliffs, go to the ocean path for some breathtaking views along the coast. Now, this is a little bit longer. It's 4.4 miles round trip. Not much elevation gain because it's right there on the ocean. Uh, And it's a great way to access the Thunder Hole, which is a little area on the shore with the rocks where at certain times during the tide cycle, waves come through and shoot up through the Thunder Hole. So that's kind of a fun thing to see. That's right. And it makes a loud clap like thunder. And sometimes, this hasn't happened to us, but sometimes the water can spout as high as 40 feet along with this roar. So that's why they call it Thunder Hole. And if you just want to see Thunder Hole, it's only a 0.7 mile hike from Sand Beach to Thunder Hole. So you could go out, see that and come back in 1.4 miles. But if you continue on, you're going to have some incredible views of the ocean and um, all that good stuff there. 
Yeah, just one more note. It has some steep drop-offs into the ocean, so if you have little ones with you, be careful to keep them away from the edge. Yes, sir. All right. Okay, let's head to Arizona. You know, I wanted to talk about petrified forest. Now, petrified forest might not be on a lot of people's bucket lists, but in our opinion, it should be. (laughs) Absolutely. This is kind of a... um, I don't know if you call it hidden gem. It, it's sometimes it's a forgotten national park. Yes, but every time we go, I, I kind of remember how much we enjoy the the landscape there. Yeah, we're going to talk about two trails quickly here. There is the Blue Mesa Trail, which is a one mile loop. It has about 114 feet of elevation change, and this is cool because you actually start by hiking down from the mesa into this kind of Badlands-looking area, and the bentonite clay there has this bluish hue to it. So it's very cool. It's unlike any place we've hiked before. And also, bonus, there are chunks of petrified wood laying around in different places. Chunks and bits. Chunks and bits and pieces, Yeah, (laughs) the occasional log. This is a pretty trail to hike but there are other trails in the park that have better petrified wood specimens. Yes, and in our opinion, the best trail for that is the Crystal Forest Loop Trail. What a, what a great name is that? The Crystal, the Forest, Crystal Loop. Forest. This is a very short trail. It's only three quarters of a mile, but it's one of the best places in the park to see the petrified logs. And there's some big ones. Oh my gosh. Some long ones. Yes. There, yeah. There are some very long ones and some of them have um sort of this crystallized effect to them. I don't know what that's called. It's a crystallized <laughs> effect. <laughs> that's what we're going to go with, but beautiful short trail where you can just see all kinds of petrified wood. Okay, so those are a couple in Petrified Forest National mm-hmm. Park. Not too far away, though, is Grand Canyon National Park. And we're going to talk about the South Rim, mm-hmm. particularly the Rim Trail. Yes, and this is such a great trail because it runs for 13 miles and most of it is paved. And the views along the Rim Trail, along this 13-mile stretch, are incredible no matter which section you're hiking on. That's right. And there are shuttle bus stops all along the 13-mile trails. So you can walk as far as you're comfortable and then take a shuttle back to wherever you started. Right. This is a trail you can walk as little or as much as you want. It's especially great in the evenings if you're staying in the village there. Go out for a long walk. Watch the sunset. You won't see anything more beautiful than the sunset in the Grand Canyon. Note again Along this 13 miles, most of the um, sections along the rim do not have guardrails. So you want to watch your your little ones along this particular trail. But Matt. But Karen. I know as part of the geology channel, you want to talk about the specific section of trail that is the trail of time. The trail of time. I was actually pretty fascinated by this uh, because we were there right after they installed it. It's a three mile long paved walk. And essentially they have these interpretive stations along the way. And it it shows you uh, examples of the geological strata that you're looking at in the canyon. So they'll have an example of the rock and they'll talk about um, where you can see it in the canyon and then like how old that particular rock is. And as you walk along this path, the geology gets, well, older or newer, depending on which direction you're going. And so, yeah, you can, you can learn about each layer of the Grand Canyon. That's right. And you know, so many of our children in this country are learning about the Grand Canyon through their textbooks. But when you take your kids here and they are walking along this section of trail and they're seeing the exhibits and 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 looking into the canyon, there isn't a better education for kids, in our opinion, than actually being there and seeing it in person. And it's a hands-on thing. There are examples of the rocks so they can touch them. And so that's that's pretty cool for young ones. And of course, this whole this whole trail, that rim trail, you can go as far or as short as you want. Right. Okay. All right, Karen, let's go to page five of the outline. 
We're going to end this episode in the great state of South Dakota. We love South Dakota. There are so many great outdoor activities to do, things for families. But we're going to talk specifically about Badlands National Park and a few hikes that are easy to do, but they're they're also very interesting. So these are called The Notch, The Window, and The Door. Very clever naming there. These are all accessed from the same parking lot. It's a huge parking lot, by the way, um, not too far from the visitor center. So we'll start with the door hike. You start off on a boardwalk, and this boardwalk takes you back to some beautiful views of the Badlands. But if you go off the boardwalk to the end of the trail, it's about a mile out and back. Uh, and you do need to follow the trail markers. It's a little bit of kind of like a, a treasure hunt there. Well, right. They have these metal pipes in the rock uh, that are painted, I think, yellow. And you kind of are looking for the next marker to follow your way. It's one of the more unusual trails we've ever hiked. If you're looking at the rock formations from the parking lot, this one's on your far left so that's that's where the door hike is. It's fun to find the different markers and, and find your way through it. And one of the great things, too, about Badlands National Park is that you are allowed to go off trail. So this particular hike, the door, once you're off the boardwalk, there is no set trail. As we said, there are only markers. So you can meander. Um, there's all kinds of interesting geology along the way. So a very cool trail to do. Yeah. However, there are rattlesnakes in the area, so watch for those. Yes. <laughs> there are signs at the beginning of these trails with a, a very attractive-looking rattlesnake on it, and the park warns, watch out for rattlesnakes. So just, just a heads up on that. So that's the door. It's on the left side. Now, in the center of this area is a trail called The Window, and this is pretty short, quarter mile long. Right. It's not really a trail so much as a viewpoint, but it ends at what they call the window. And you're having a view of the wall, the pinnacles and the spires that make the Badlands so famous. So just a fun thing to go and look out the window. And then on the far right side of this area, there's another trail called the Notch. This is a little bit longer. It's 1.5 miles round trip, has about 180 feet elevation change. This is also one of the most unusual trails we've hiked. It has a big wooden ladder in one section that you go up, which is kind of cool and fun to do. It is. And we've had a lot of people ask us about, you know, is it scary? They don't know if they can do it. It's a really interesting ladder because it's not a rigid ladder like you would think of a ladder. The The crossbars are made of wooden logs, but then the, the side pieces are flexible and it actually lays on this hill, if you will, that you're climbing. So the first part of it, I'd say the, the lower half, you can just step up while standing vertically, right? You're just walking up it. Right. It get it gets steeper and steeper and then the kind of the very end or the highest part of the ladder, it's a real ladder and you you do have to be careful, but we've done it several times. I don't think it's dangerous to do. No, we thought it was pretty easy. However, we have also seen people freeze on the ladder. You know, they were having a panic attack on the ladder. So everyone needs to know their own fear levels and their own ability. I will say that it's not a very far hike to get to the ladder. So if you're unsure, you could certainly hike to it. You know, park in the parking lot and hike the, I don't know, it's like a maybe a quarter, half mile yeah, to the ladder. it's not very far. And look at it and see, uh, because maybe you'll think it's easy, maybe you won't. But it is a very fun hike for sure. Yeah, and then past the ladder, uh, you go a little bit further to the notch, which is essentially a cutout in the rock formations where you have some territorial views. Beautiful views. One more note about this. Once you have climbed the ladder and you're making your way around to this notch, there is a small section of the trail that walks along a fairly narrow ledge. This ledge is about six feet wide, but there is a drop off there. So watch your little ones. Okay. Um, I don't see any more uh, bucket list easy hikes on, on the list. Did we 
Talk about all of them? We've talked about all the ones that we have done. Obviously, there are a lot more in the parks um, that we haven't done that are just waiting to be explored. But hopefully, this will give you a starting point. And for those of you who are new to hiking, you'll want to start working on your list of 10 essentials, items that you should take along with you in a backpack when you hike. We did an entire episode on the 10 essentials. That's episode number 38, where we talked in uh, detail about what the 10 essentials are and some specific brands that we like. We'll just mention briefly that even for a short hike, you'll want to have things like navigation or a map, hydration, water, nutrition, uh, plenty of snacks and Cheez-Its. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> uh, rain gear and or insulation, a first aid kit, illumination, and sun protection. And a few you don't necessarily need for a short hike would be a shelter, some tools, maybe a fire starter. Right. So people can customize their, you know, their backpack and their tent essentials to whatever hike they're going on. Obviously, if it's a very crowded, popular three quarters of a mile hike, you know, you'll need different things, but it's a, it's a great way to get started. That's right. Uh, one thing also we should mention is that in the summer, you'll want to pack some bug spray. <laughs> and maybe a head net. Those are super light. And yes. you just throw it in your pack and forget about it. Absolutely. Also, and this is very important, after a hike, when we have a long drive ahead of us, we always have post-hike supplies waiting in the truck. So we have things like flip-flops, extra water, other beverages, <laughs> uh, other snacks, and a clean shirt, maybe even some clean pants or shorts to change into. Yeah, again, it kind of depends on where you're hiking and the heat. You know, sometimes we get back and we're sweaty and dirty and it is really heavenly to throw on a pair of flip-flops and a clean shirt. Shirt. Okay, so I think that is it. Thank you for tuning in today. And thanks to all of you who have spread the word about our books and our podcast. We appreciate all of your word of mouth recommendations. Yeah, and a big thank you to all of you who support our podcast financially on Patreon. For just $5 a month, subscribers have access to bonus content that we create for Patreon. We just released an episode about our recent trip to Bend, Oregon, and we talked about a lot of fun things to do and see in Central Oregon. Yeah, so many great public lands there. Okay, that's all from us today. Happy hiking, everybody. Mm -hmm.